0: I did this in Ethiopia, and it's not something I would suggest you do very often at all. But uh, uh, Ernst August, that was a German colleague of ours, but um, extremely careful. He viewed God as God was uh, watching every little minute to find something wrong. And he was really, he was excellent. If we had a conference or a workshop or something, you wanted Ernst August to be the one that coordinated it, because every little chair was there. Uh, Every little thing was anticipated that you needed. Nothing was ever left out. He was fantastic in that sense. But at the same time, his carefulness was not that of of being conscientious. It was that of being fearful because maybe God might find something wrong with what he did. So here he is in a Muslim tribe, and he's been trained by the Winkler Fiber Translators, which we're famous for. (laughs) And we have been training that when we go to a tribe, uh, the gospel that's best to retranslate is the gospel of Mark, because it's uh, grammatically it's easier. You're not dealing with abstract concepts like John has, for instance. Um, anyway, it's easier. And also you don't have the genealogies and all. Trouble was he's in here's Ernst August, the Ethiopian, the tribe, this Muslim tribe. And uh, the Old Testament is maybe you know acceptable, but the New Testament, at least initially, is really not the greatest putting out. So uh he's in the dilemma. And he's been taught one way, so he's got teaching that it should be Mark. Uh, he also feels that uh, he's translating the Word of God, so he's really got to have a, a helper that's really good. So he's looking for someone who ideally... Uh, Ethiopia, at the high school, they speak English, by the way. So ideally, he has someone who has a, a graduate degree and something and speaks English. And ideally Christian. And then maybe he can now translate the word of God for this particular Muslim of which there are no Christians in it, so I'm not sure who he'd find, since there's no Christians there to find to help him anyway. And so he's under this tremendous burden. Here he is trying to do God's will for, as he saw it, and he couldn't do it, and it was just not possible. And so as we were talking to him, um, and we had come out of see we would come out of Columbia, they didn't they didn't know what paper was. <clears throat> I mean, literally, they didn't know what paper was. They saw a picture and they couldn't see a picture. You know, they, they couldn't see this picture. To them, it's just a whole bunch of colors. And you have to point out, and after a while, if you point out, and, and all eventually, all of a sudden, the picture pops out of it. Pre-literate. That's what pre-literacy is all about. So part of learning to read is you start with pictures and drawings and shapes and stuff, and eventually get the letters. And then so it's on. So, um, so we came from a place that the illiterates, we were using Indians that they, that they came by on the way to the field and they sit down for 15 minutes. And if it was a woman, I took care of the kids and kind of worked with them. And if it was a man, kind of took care of the kids, I worked with them. And we worked with them until they got out the door. You know, we got a little bit done till the next one showed up. We weren't talking about regular informants. We we're talking about this wonderful schedule you can make. That I think Mike would really like. <laughs> <laughs> so had the schedule, you know, that I got for tomorrow, <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. So uh, we were the ideal people, Mike wanted to do I think, in fact, I think God thought so too, uh, to give advice to our strongest. So what I said to him, I said, uh, forget about Mark. <clears throat> Go and start translating. And this happened I uh in Kings. I said, translate the story of, of Naaman in Kings, and also translate the story of Joseph in Genesis. And don't worry about Mark, just start with those, just to get something going. And he said, Well, but I don't have anybody to work with. And I said, Well, we've both noticed here's uh, Hamid. Hamid is their house boy, and he's walking around the place. He only had, I think, like fourth grade education, if he had that much. He was a member of the tribe. He wasn't ideal, but he was a warm body that was there. (laughs) So the point was go ahead and just do Joseph. Do uh about name it because it's a fantastic little story. It's really exciting, you know, and it's easy to translate all. And also, go ahead and just use Hamid. Don't worry about anything else. Hamid's not a Christian. Don't worry about it. Just go ahead. and It's the Old Testament anyway. So you're not confronted with Jesus and Messiah and all that. So Marist August did. But uh, he didn't until I took this. I said this to him. I said, uh, go ahead and do this. And if this is not the right thing to do, I will take it on my shoulders before God to bear the consequences. You I mean, don't lightly say something like that. And I meant it. I meant it. Before he got through with the story of Joseph, I needed to become a Christian. <laughs> so, but he was so hung up on God. is this God who just was watching every little thing, but not every little thing pleased with Every little thing seemed to grow, see. And it really kept him from, from his growth and all. He was very, very talented. So we had, I had to take that load off of him and put it on me and he couldn't do it. And then at that point, by the way, he went on. He, he never had a problem with as far as the word goes. He did have permission of someone to take vacation, which we never did worry about, but that was different. So, um, not a minor thing. And like I say, this was not a game for me when I said those words. It was not a game. I mean, and sometimes you're faced with that type of a situation. But, uh, it's something that, uh, ideally your whole life you're not going to do. We had another case, a fellow, this happened to be in Washington state. Sometimes I mention this because I mentioned given culture or country because it helps you to see that, that, uh, it isn't unique to America, some of these issues that come up. But this particular situation was, uh, this guy was, I forget what grade it was in. I think it was fairly high school, but he was beat up by a and cry. In fact, it was a, it was a husband of this, uh, this uh, Asian, Asian woman who had made the vow. I remember that now. But uh, he had made this vow, having been humiliated and crying because he been beat up on bullying in front of his friends, that he would never show that kind of weakness again. And then as a husband, again, there was no tenderness. No, not the, the, the uh, what do I say, feminine qualities, for lack of better word. That, that a man can have to be all, the be all that a man is. And he had, didn't have them. And he knew he didn't have them. And he wanted them, but he couldn't, he couldn't make it happen. <laughs> and it came down to he made a vow this particular time to be released from that. Because, uh, you no longer in that, uh, sort of, what is say dangerous, humiliating situation. It was safe to sit there and be gentle and be kind and show these kind of emotions and stuff. So, be so we did it, you know, on the one hand, she's making a bow. You know, the other way he thinks about, And you've got a really, an emotional struggle when marriage going on. It's really, really sad. But again, God can take care of that. Now, for, is your wife there? Yes. For uh, the lady in the back seat there. Mm-hmm. Vows versus declarations. Okay. For Denise. If we make vows that we are responsible to carry, we are responsible to carry them out. There are consequences. Or, once again, ask for and forgiveness. If a man makes a vow of the Lord or takes a an oath to abide himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but do everything it says. Okay, so we know that already. If you make a vow of the Lord to your God, do not be slow to pay it, for the Lord your God will certainly demand it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. So if you wonder, you know, is making a vow and not fulfilling it, is it sin or not? It is sin. God says it's sin. So with sin comes confession, with sin comes payment, uh, with sin also can come for forgiveness. But it isn't a matter of just words. God says it's sin. There are some words that are sin, and yet they're, why should words just be have any kind of significance at all? Something so abstract is just words.